Hello, everyone. Last week, we learned what a real herbalist would keep in his saddlebags. Today, we'll take that knowledge and somehow grow it into a unique fantasy world. No. No. Bad. <laughs> no bad? <laughs> I'm punishing you for your puns. You're punishing me? Yes, I know. I made a pun and you didn't acknowledge it. You stole it. Oh, well. <laughs> I only do it like once a year I, and you steal it. You know? I, okay. I'm sorry. You made a pun and I'm very proud of you. You want to do the disclaimer? Why do I keep you? Do the disclaimer. Do the disclaimer. So remember, friends, ideas are cheap and you can't put them back in the bag. You're encouraged to use these ideas and world seeds to write your own story. We only ask that if you do, you toss us a shout out in the acknowledgments or author's note and plant a tree in our honor. And name it after one of us or both of us or all of us. So, yeah, it's like 10 p.m. as we're recording this. So if we're a little punchy, there's a reason. We're always a little punchy. Shh. I'm I'm trying to give us an excuse this time. We're like half a season too late for that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, like whenever you're listening to this, it can now be 10 p.m. in all of our hearts. Your heart, too. It's 10 p.m. somewhere? It is. 10 p.m. somewhere. Oh, God. So we're building a world. <laughs> yeah. So I had a th- I, I had a thought. Well, I didn't actually. I didn't have a thought, but the thought what? that I didn't have was that <laughs> I would like to go sci-fi. Okay. Because it- the thought that you didn't have was that we want to go sci-fi. All right. Well, first I realized that I have a thought makes you think like I had a world-building thought. I I did not have one of those yet. Uh, it was it was a genre decision. A genre thought. decision thought. Uh, and the reason being. Herbalism is always fantasy. And when I was thinking about fantasy, which is, of course, where the brain goes, um, Mm -hmm. I was like, I can think of a lot of characters. I can think of a lot of scenes. I can think of, but I I can't think of a, at the moment, I couldn't think of like a unique, like world, like it was a a smaller element, research element of, rather than um, build a kingdom from, build a planet from. So then I was like, so what if we, but let's go somewhere we don't go. How do we take herbal? How do we, how do we make a space herbalist? Like herbalism, (laughs) where where would we go with sci-fi and herbalism? Well, that'd be a saddlebag, you know? Right. Are are we going, are we going off planet? And if so, I mean, like sky's the limit, but then you're kind of totally breaking away from any herbalism. (laughs) Universe (laughs) is the limit. Okay. Um, Oh, exactly. Herb trader. You're like, hey, I've got this thing. I want to trade for some alien herbs that I don't know. I kind of like the idea of someone who's, or see, I'm going character as well, but maybe we can work on a a culture or a group that does something with um, space herbs. (laughs) See, see, that was kind of my thought is how do we build like, okay, because we always go technology with sci-fi as in we you know, universal we, uh, sci-fi is so technological, um, gadgetry computers. So let's bring it back down to a, a planet or, uh, an alien race or, um, where, where it has kind of either reverted to or stayed at a very plant technology level, like herbalism and, and alternative medicine is still a very, you know, strong part of the practice and the society. And um, maybe that's their major export. Maybe there is great medicinal value uh, in 
in some things that can only be grown there that just no technology or, or medical process has been able to recreate um, that even so, has made them accessible on a, an interstellar level. What if it's something like, so in Firefly, uh, some of the background of Firefly is like that there was a throwaway line that was like people got dropped off on various planets with nothing more than blankets and basically had to figure out how to survive on that planet. So what if there's a group that is devoted to going around and finding what different herbal remedies and stuff have been found on the different planets? Mm. What if you've got some folks just like, um, you're just chilling and aliens show up and the aliens are like, hey, we really like this plant. And you're like, cool, uh, we can do exports, but it takes forever to grow or it's just very difficult. So basically, you as a people have to keep the trade secret <laughs> and or supply oh, okay. of this plant under wraps. So there's, uh, that can drive some conflict, but also like, you know, there's a lot of taking yeah. care of plants, technology, or whatever you want to call it involved there. Because we could get into this sort of that idea of the over-harvesting with the yeah. growing herbs. Um, another thought, because I'm freewheeling like yeah. ballpark brainstorms before we like dig down deeper into the one that really pings us. What about, uh, since, you know, we've talked about some of the specifics, et cetera, um, this idea of the preservation of some of these herbs that were familiar back on earth, whether earth is still there or not, whether it's a matter of sort of the evolution of them, but they grow on some planets, they don't on others. We've talked about Valerian's effects on most people versus some people in cats. So what if you take something like Yarrow, take something like St. John's wort, I'm totally just pulling commonly spoken herb names from the last episode. Um, <laughs> and and now you've, you know, you've brought your, your herb garden, you've seeded your new planet, and the native life form has some crazy reaction, um, or it is, it becomes like, take something, I mean, I would ask Isaac, something very basic, something used in a lot of stuff, something that's kind of like the vanilla of herbs. Um bomb. <laughs> And Isaac uses that in freaking everything. I and love this it. This is like a massive, massive hallucinogen for the native race of the planet that we that we like. <laughs> tomatoes are like alien cocaine, and then you just have all just us, this a real situation on your hands. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, tomatoes and nightshade. Would, that'd be a really interesting idea. You know that like it does. You know, it, it's it's so it doesn't affect us at all, but it does something really funny with alien physiology and you could also go into an almost like you know like early trek klingon like are they you know if the aliens were not really distinguishable from humans or there was uh crossbreeding where you had you're like you just didn't know if something was human or not so they'd have to go through the tomato test or the lemon bomb test or something like that oh. I had almost that thought last episode when we were, again, we were talking about Valerian and you said that some humans react to Valerian where it kind of tweaks them out instead of relaxing them and scribe said, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're cats. And my brain went to this, you know, where cats and you just don't know until you pull out the Valerian. <laughs> I'm just thinking of like aliens find out that like tomatoes or whatever do this to them. And then all of a sudden we're in the middle of like an alien drug war and we're like, leave our freaking tomatoes alone, you guys. Like, just cause you can't handle it we just want pasta sauce we just like our ketchup uh, they put what on their pasta yes <laughs> leave our ketchup alone and they're like there's so many ways to ingest this drug you can you can you can boil it you can turn it into a paste and apply it topically and they're like walking around with ketchup on their arms and 
Sorry, a tomato poultice. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just, I don't know. Like, then you get Earth in the middle of, like, a drug war situation, which is a thing that happens to real places, like, particularly in Latin America, where people just, like, firebomb your fields, and you're like, fuck you! You know, it's, it's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am kind of liking this idea of people having to learn to grow things on different planets and um, seeing how the, the different herbs mutate. My favorite author, Lee Bardugo, used... Something kind of like that in the um, Six of Crows series. She has this stimulant that is a flower called Jurda. And then someone figured out a way to change it. And then it became this like super stimulant called Jurda Param that is highly addictive, but also increases magical powers. So cocaine. So, so like, <laughs> yeah, so like, what? go ahead. Well, yeah. Like the coca plant is like a mild stimulant with the leaf, but if you process it with alkaloids and stuff like that, then you get like the really potent like uh, powder cocaine or like the crack cocaine. So yeah, this is not too different. It sounds like mm-hmm. I didn't mean to so, get on a cocaine streak right now. Just you're just all coked out. Yeah. Um. Maybe we could even do something with like somebody who's going. Okay, we have to find plants with the right climates to support these yes. different things over here. So that was kind of what my middle idea was. Now it's you know it's coming back to me. Yeah, was yeah. this concept of having brought the familiar herbs from Earth, mm-hmm. and you know some of them may have evolved, some of them may not have so much, but but setting them down, how do they change? How do they stay? And then building some sort of society around it because it will have, let's say you had something that was really easy to grow and you still can, and it's very valuable to you in some way, um, you know, medically, recreationally, you name it. Um, but the one place you found where you can grow it, it's no longer easy to grow. Mm -hmm. So what if there's something like, what if it's something like, uh, we, you know how in Japan they have the different um, like regions and each region claims it is an expert at one thing. Like what is that region known for? Iron pots. What is that region known for? Apples. And of course they've got iron pots and apples in other areas, but they've just like decided that's the area that that specializes in. What if planets did that? So what if it's like, okay, we're, we're allocating all of the lemon balm to this planet and then this planet over here has this climate, so it'll be really good at growing yarrow here. And then at the poles, it's growing those freaking chaga mushrooms or whatever because it's colder and we can plant birch trees. I don't know. I was going to say, in that case, are we talking mostly about terraformed planets? Because that is one thing that has always gotten me about sci-fi and planets. I mean, you look at America and we've got a million biomes and climate zones Mm. and varieties and different lines. And in sci-fi, it's ice planet, jungle planet. Yeah, yeah. Like beach planet. And it's like, wait, but what about the other 90% of the planet. like, mm-hmm. that, But if you get into terraformed, domed, or groomed for a purpose, then you can get away with that. Mm-hmm. That's bugged me forever about like Star Wars franchise. Yeah. Specifically. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, oh, this, this jungle planet. It's like, no, that's, that's not how, that's not how ecosystems and planets work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Earth has had some times in its history when it was mostly a snowball or mostly like most of the landmass was, uh, desert or like the Triassic was mostly desert um, times. And it was like Antarctica was a jungle. Um, so it's definitely a thing that can happen where we're at an unusually high point for <laughs> biodiversity. The last, you know, like billion years or so. 
Um, but, not but yeah, like it doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that way. So I'm thinking about though, like the way we expand or the way we decide, like if, if you're looking at it, like a corporation would look at it, you know, it's Sarah, you could probably speak to this a little bit more, but they don't go, Oh, here, we will have this farm over here in this area. You know what grows well here? These 20 different things. They're like, no, tulips, tulips for days. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that usually has to do more with like human logistics than it does with climate really. So that's, I don't know, like that's yeah. really interesting to me. So I think like, but if we're colonizing all these planets, we would use human logistics and we'd probably be like, uh, this planet has this temperature and can support stuff. So this is going to be the yarrow planet. Oh, tulips for days. Tulips for days. So that's where we put the yarrow like handling plants. So then everybody's like, I guess we're growing yarrow. So yeah. yeah. Sidebar tulips for days is the new official name of this episode. Oh, <laughs> tulips for days. Yeah. Well, oh, with bigger but, uh, trees and, and shrubbery and things like that, there's also mycorrhizal associations. Like, so, so there's this, uh, <clears throat> there's this, this nursery that was bringing in different plants that you wouldn't necessarily find around here to Northern Vermont, like say the Siberian pine for pine nuts. And they were talking about how Siberian pines on this continent would grow almost twice as slowly, or, you know, it'd take double the time for it to grow uh, uh, than in its indigenous area because of all of the fungal connections that were very different uh, on the continent. So they had to inoculate the soil with certain mycorrhizae uh, that would, you know, kind of grow onto and into the roots so it would absorb nutrients properly. So there's like, there's, there's, there's a, there's this whole like, you know, ecosystem, like the idea that maybe this planet can't support certain fungal connections, certain trees can't grow in it so well. Whereas this other planet happened to have this super fungal mast in its soil that is really weird and alien, but really, really loves apple trees for some reason. So this planet is amazing at growing all these different apples. Okay. So maybe we have a couple of planets that are like that. And, um, you know, the, and they could either be terraformed or they could be um, naturally how they are and either, and have, you know, no intelligent life forms or have intelligent life forms. I don't know. Um, we're, we're terrible about colonizing everything. So like, what if we found some place that, kind of the opposite of what you're saying, Isaac, what if we found some place that grew things really, really freaking fast, like a planet that for some reason made those micro connections or whatever that uh, would cause ginseng to grow in a single year. Mm-hmm. Whereas we were like, whoa, ginseng usually takes like five, 10 years to grow. And over here, they're like one season and you're going, holy shit, we now have all this ginseng. So you've got to a surplus, but you don't want to let people know that you have a surplus because you want to keep that price high. Right, right. So like a De Beers situation. A what? <laughs> like a De Beers. De Beers, like the diamond mine people, like had you know, artificially like restricting supply to keep the price of diamonds high. Oh. Diamonds are not very rare. They're so not. It's great. Adrian, did you uh, fully gestate your thought? I, I did somewhat. So, because I do still, I do love the, okay, so now we've got kind of different ideas for how we can handle these plants, uh, herbs, et cetera, having spread sort of into our galaxy. 
Um, so getting down kind of into the, cause I love that herbalism seed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially trying to figure out how to pull that into a science fiction build. So one thought I have is, okay, so let's say we've done this. And then if for some reason, a planet, our story planet gets cut off. And so there's kind of this, we've been breeding these things for what, decoration, for fancy food for the inner worlds, for the delicate palates of our alien friends, for drugs, all of these things. But now the, the, you've got a society or, you know, you know me, I go the individual, a character, but you do, you do your story. Um, But you've got the rediscovery of a oh, weight practical applications that's a thing um trial and error <laughs> trial and error i mean they by they've been growing them enough to know that they're not you know death mushrooms but um not realizing that you don't have to have a fancy technological instant magic tool to fix a wound this mm-hmm. leaf can do it what that's so weird and backwards but convenient um you know, if you end up back in, in isolation, sort of rediscover that art of herbalism uh, through necessity. Now, a, uh, a way to achieve that isolation would be if these planets were a little bit farther out from like the main grouping mm-hmm. of planets and um, you throw some kind of like interstellar war out in the uh, other area. And then they, they are just not sending people out to this one to get that recreational unimportant yeah. Plant. Or depending on what you have been using to traverse your galaxy, if you get into that in terms of, you know, do you have stargates? Do, do you have, you know, um, hyperdrive? What, hyperdrive? Do you have warp speed? Do you have, you know, mass effects? Do you? So all of these things. Do you? What? What is your system for getting to a planet that would take two hundred thousand years to get to? And then it breaks down and then something causes it to fail. And all, all of the hyperdrives. Well, that's why I, if it depend on the world you built, because yeah. I've certainly seen a lot of things where it, no ship can go faster than light. There's some jump, there's some gate, mm-hmm. there's some mm-hmm. much more discrete technology that you sort of go from system to system and then traverse very quickly within that system, but not at light speed. Um, so, you know, if you go something like that, what what if all of the ability to get these huge distances in that kind of a in that kind of a, a sci-fi system broke down, and that would also cause a sort of a fascinating isolation? Maroon. So you want sci-fi isolated planet with this historical seeding of herbs and stuff that may have lost their practical applications over time. Well, that was one thought I had for how to get the herbalism element back in. Is that, that oh, okay, okay. Redis- that was just an idea for forcing a rediscovery of sort of that actual herbalism use and uh, experimenting with how how people would go about it and um, how they would then combine that with technology. I kind of like the idea of something happening. I mean, if you think about it, we have even now people that go, "I don't trust modern medicine." Mm-hmm. What if there was just a big movement that said, we don't trust all of these synthetic things. 
So we want things that actually grow planet side. And you end up with a whole group of people where possibly even their religion is based around um, not taking into their bodies anything that is synthetic. So a planet of anti-vaxxers? Not a, not a planet. <laughs> yeah, basically <laughs> anti-vaxxers. Yeah. Anti-vaxxers in space! Um, <laughs> but um, a, a culture, kind of like a, a religion where they're, uh, and they can be spread out. I mean, we don't have people of certain religions stuck in single places right, anymore. Right. So, you know, they're spread out all over these different planets, but you have these wandering herbalists who are like galactic herbalists. They just go around, they're itinerant, and they're like, I have these herbal remedies. Let me make you some shit. So kind of like the the concept of like the traveling monk, you know, the Yes. Yeah, since it's built into a somewhat a sort of a spiritual practice. Mhm. Mhm. Like herby monks. <laughs> I like herby space monks. Herby space Beat monks. Up. Isaac, I think we found your calling. I love it. I did. Herby <laughs> space monks. Herby. So it's like like Obi-Wan Kenobi but with a bag of yarrow. <laughs> I'm in. Is <laughs> he like Obi-Wan Kenobi? That'd be amazing. That would be great. Uh, I would love it. I'm there for this. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I, I like this idea that we have a, um, so we have our setting of our, our, our gal- on our galactic level of what ha- happened was, this is what we did. Ooh. What? And part of part of that setup with the Irby space monks and and the sort of the relearning of the practice of how to use these in their more practical applications mm-hmm. then comes with it since the planets are somewhat herbally segregated mm-hmm. um, is the, the pilgrimage. Um, oh yeah, because you have to go sort of to build your collection and your knowledge and learning. I'm sorry. All of the saints of their religion are people who did the tri-fail cycle and failed. <laughs> their martyrdoms are all at the hands of plants or tri- leaders tri- of trial, plants. Trial and error. The, the, the error. Error to become saints. They sacrifice themselves for the exploration of of their uh, of, their knowledge of the herbal religion. You're like pray to the patron saint of overdose on that particular plant. No, no, no. It would be more like the patron saint. Of um, what was it? Uh, de- destructive angel, destructive angel. Was that it? The, destroying the, angel. Destroying angel. Destroying really? angel. Destroying yeah. angel. The saint of destroying angels sacrificed himself to tell us it was deadly. Yeah. The saint of don't eat that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Saint Nightshade. Okay, so um, the I <laughs> I like this. We're giggling, but I like it. Um, I mean, we take everything funny, but all of it can be seeded into legitimate and serious. I mean, yeah, we're we're just yeah. not serious totally about things. Good. No, yeah, no, this this, this I, there's there's something to it. Mm-hmm. So these pilgrimages, um, and and this this type of uh, so these pilgrimages are should they be something like? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm doubting that there is some central calendar or or no. year. Or anything like that. It that just seems like it would completely diverge. Yes. So uh, based on where you are from a star, all size of your planet. stars throughout a galaxy, it's hard to have a like. There's no central time. There's yeah. no like. 
But I don't know, that could be interesting, you know, doing something, you know, trying to think outside of the box when it comes to a calendar, because we think either with calendars, it's, you know, for, for us, it, we, we work with just solar based or lunar based from, from uh, our position on the planet we're on. But <clears throat> in a bigger organized religion, wouldn't it be interesting to have, you know, kind of this universal time that right. hmm. is based off of yeah. some kind of mythic cycle? Because you couldn't base it off of, I mean, you might historically know that, you know, we've based time when you were on land or on, on a planet on its seasonal and solar cycles. But there does, you're right, there has to be some, some universal, even on a larger like industry level um, for people to have a common language. Um, so I wonder if, um, you know, there'd be, what you're talking with, what are, what are they using as sort of their, um, their calendar within that, that practice. But then I'm also thinking like, there'd be something I want to call it space time, which just cracks me up because space time. Um, but because let's face it, there are people that are probably going to be spending their entire lives on spaceships where there is no solar and there is no season. So there still has to be a universal agreed upon measurement that's totally oh. arbitrary, but someone picked it and everyone said yes. What if it's based on the first planet they literally seeded? So the first place they, the first planet they landed on and planted on. Well, are we, are we still talking about everybody's human though, right? Right, because we're still talking about Earth origins because we're talking yeah. Earth plants, so they may very well have just carried historic Earth time. Right, mm -hmm. because I mean, that's what our biological clock is is tuned to. So even if we're... What our biological clocks are based on? Mm -hmm. yeah. So, I mean, maybe it's... Um, we maybe we call it origin and we just Ooh. say you know origin time origin time and then of course planets have their own and their locals use mm -hmm. that too but then we reference origin time i like that mm -hmm. and maybe uh if the planet is no longer habitable we can still use or see the star or if the star itself is gone it's a uh, just known it is known it, it is known i mean it's ingrained it's what their clocks were set to it's what their language was based upon and and then it just like maybe it is subtly different than it used to be but they wouldn't know, even know that we wouldn't even know that they'd still well, use their and also if you think about um now we can get in we can't get into because none of us are astrophysicists uh but when you have um if we have stars that are relatively the same size as our sun the planets will be that are habitable by humans and earth earth and plant life uh will be a there's like a narrow margin of distance the habitable be, zone yeah the habitable zone will and so that will mean like our years are going to be vaguely aligned and i could be i mean that could be totally different if you have a much bigger star you could be much farther away and it could take much longer for a year and then you know you get winter yeah. is coming. I think it varies pretty quickly. Um, I, I again not astrophysicist. Uh, my impression is that the it takes very little change for timing to change fairly dramatically. Well, and I think the size of the star is going to is going to affect that. So never mind. But I mean, it, it'll also change the spectrum of light that comes out and we, we talked about that in our plants in zero G how just a, a very small change in the uh, light spectrum will yeah. significantly alter plants and probably significantly alter us as well. So these 
these pilgrimages and these herbalists, they're they're going to be running either on on uh, origin time or they may have a unique calendar uh, to themselves, which might be based on the life growth cycle of some specific uh, core plant in in their practice maybe one of the the first rediscovered or something could run on that kind of a time um if we want to go with separate times or calendars i mean there's a mayan calendar and a roman calendar and a japanese calendar like like i do like the idea of this uh group having their own calendar because they're like no we don't do anything that you people do I think most people run on our same, at least to to my knowledge, correct me if I'm wrong, you know more about history than I do. Um, I think a lot of people agree on basic timekeeping in terms of hours and minutes, but calendars vary wildly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that's that's pretty accurate because minutes and all of that, seconds are based on heartbeats. Um, so, you, I mean, our our calculation of a day there's only so much you can do to calculate within yeah. a day, but, and you know, same thing with a year. We, we base that all around seasons where we have these seasons, but there are plenty of places that don't get a lot of variation. Um, like near the equator, you don't get a lot of variation in temperature and same with at the extreme poles, but these are also like, particularly the extreme poles are not really places that we inhabit. And then the equator we do, but I, I don't have any idea how people um, historically have kept time. So, Isaac, when you brought the idea of a calendar in, what were your thoughts surrounding it? Well, you know, just uh, trying to, we were, you know, we were joking about the idea of saints of different, you know, plants that uh, things went either <laughs> good or not so good. Um, <laughs> but you could do an entire cycle around this, you know, I was thinking, especially with, with a spiritual practice, you could do something based on some kind of mythology that they that is running through this spiritual practice, kind of a big mm. mythic cycle uh, that it's based off of. So, you know, yeah. this cycle somehow revolving around the, the saints or the idea that it would run around plants, the plant cycle is fun. It'd be difficult because plant cycles are often, you know, changed by where they're growing. They are, but we we have diversified our planets into fairly specific. um, We we've we uh, them being planted and farmed and sort of manufactured to to hold a zone of a specific plant. So we've kind of pulled our our variants apart a little bit. um, If we go with that, so we maybe could could go with sort of what have been seen as standardized plant cycles because they might look more standardized from the outside to these people now than they once did or were. Mm. Okay. I have kind of a weird idea. All right. Go with it. I'm going with it. So it's a religious order. They're monks, right? Mm -hmm. What if the cycle was not based on a same time that everybody follows within that order, but the length of time that you've been in the order. So like your first year you're in the order, you go to this one planet 
and you stay there for a full cycle of growing lemon balm and you learn all the shit about lemon, lemon balm. And then your next part of your personal religious calendar is you go to the yarrow planet and you stay for a whole cycle of growing yarrow and you learn all the shit about yarrow. And then you do your five year slog on the ginseng planet and you're like, fuck, will this never end? But you learn all the shit about ginseng. Well, that ties into the pilgrimage idea I had of them doing the tour to learn the things. Uh, As far as personal calendars, I think that might make it very tricky in terms of having any shared language, any any shared measurement, if it varies person to person. Well, what I'm thinking is like, I mean, we have freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. They can be like, oh, I'm in my Yarrow year. Oh, yes. it, It graduates like that, where like you get more difficult um, or, or you get more deadly as it goes up. Wow. They're in the nightshade years. They've been at this a long time. <laughs> Just wait till they get to devastating angel. <laughs> devastating. Angel. <laughs> so like, I think it's just, dis- what is it? Destructive angel? Destroying. But I mean, I like, like, I feel I feel like these, I, these they were. That I would like to point out that language evolves over time. They call it <laughs> devastating angel. So they don't have necessarily their, maybe they count years based on like when the first planet was seeded with an earthen herb. And that's how they count years. Hmm. But they count their, uh, their personal journeys on what stage they're at. And that's, counted by what or that's denoted by what uh plant they're on and therefore what planet so from the from the from the seating the 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 first bit you mentioned it'd be kind of like a bcad kind of thing Ooh, yeah like everything's turning around this this pivotal point in their history which was the first seating of uh a plant on bfs before first seating Mm -hmm. just different entirely different chunk of time in their mind Mm -hmm. and then you have other people interacting with them who are like what are you talking about and they're like they're saying this is like i'm going to reference japan again yes um so in japan uh adrian and i both lived there in japan they change the in traditional japanese year counting they change it based on who is the emperor at the time so um, like you have, if you hear about the Meiji era or the um, Showa era or Heisei era, so that that all changes, and so like you end up being, God, Adrian, what was our birth year? Showa, um, Showa 50, sixty. I'm Showa fifty nine. It was a fifty nine or something like that. Anyway, and we think of that as nineteen eighty four, but it's Showa fifty nine, and so that's a thing that we had to learn and like count and go through, and you know we may have gotten that wrong but uh it was something like that but they may have a similar thing where they're going oh no it is this long before uh you know it is year you know and, and they 2021 since the first seating and other people are like are you kidding me it's year 1200 and well, and they, they count it, they, they still count the years the same, because like Showa years, a year was a year. Um, and so they would use origin time to have some amount of universality. But but then, um, yeah, the, the, 
the counting of the number of years goes in those those periods. And that might even be not not just something that this particular order does, though it might be something that this particular order does if the rest of the planet the galaxy isn't so specifically plant based. Um, yeah. And if this order has been around for a good long time, they may have had some of their customs bleed over. Yeah. So, so what do they do? What is their purpose? To just travel and learn plants? I mean, they do they serve a role in society or are they sheerly spiritual practitioners? And I do see it as more of the kind of spirituality of like Buddhism, Shintoism, um, less, less of a deity-based uh, religious practice. Well, I do like the idea of um, on many of the planets, you have these areas that are farther flung and more distant from the central hubs of civilization and maybe don't have access to, I mean, access to goods is always going to be one of the major considerations of society. Right. And um, so I am thinking that maybe their purpose is to administer aid and help to people in these other areas and teach them how to fend for themselves if they can't get aid from the more uh, technologically advanced or maybe they don't want to do that. Well, and it might be interesting to find that Technology gets to a point where things are so simplified, things are so streamlined, things are so instant that some of the little perks and and pleasantries and comfort element of of you know almost returning to some of these practices that can serve a similar purpose has been lost. And a nice cup of chamomile so tea. That concept of being out in the wild and not having to get like you're deadlifted to a clinical pure white stuck in a pod cryo frozen you come out fine but but you know learning something about how to reinteract with nature which would be a funny juxtaposition if you're on these seeded planets where technically they're a little backwater and rural and really this should almost be the back to nature and yet people are so caught up in Mm. The modern technology, and that's kind of where this practice hung up on that idea of do not have instead of what they do have, right? As well, so there's that. Well, so this go, no go. I was, was going to say the uh, the idea of you know, but even them going around and and giving, you know, I'm kind of seeing in my mind this uh, almost sacrament of of just having tea. You know, it's like taking, you know, not only is there a, that level of self sufficiency and, and you know learning how to take care of yourself by growing your own medicine. But there's this certain amount of, of, you know, part of, of their, their social interaction, you know, and the word worship comes to mind, but it's not that it's that it's that sacred time is like, like tea time. (laughs) I got, I got got so excited. when you started talking about that. And and I know exactly what you mean because I, I studied tea ceremony in Japan and Mm -hmm. it is exactly that. It is that, that meditative, the comfort of, of ritual of, of really connecting with a practice in a respectful and, and thoughtful way taking the time you respect the tools you use you respect the the items that have been crafted to to perform it you you respect the the tea choices and the design choices and it's very it's very slow and purposeful and when you said you know 
bringing back that just joy of making tea. So, mm-hmm. you know, if it, it has some element of that kind of, you know, yeah, in, in invite people in to, to do an herb. Um, <laughs> invite people in to do an herb. Yeah. But I mean, I understand it's that same idea of the, um, of the peace pipe. And uh, there are a lot of rituals that we create around nature and around sharing things and around welcome and mindfulness and uh, all of those different things that I think translates really well into a practice or a religion. Um, And so maybe there's an element of trying to bring people's awareness back to nature, to the religion where it's like you have this, you're in, you're in nature right now, you're surrounded by it, but what your thoughts are focused on are these technological advancements that you don't have. I have, I have, I have another, another like brainwave. Um, so it's less of the, we don't, you know, we don't believe in, in taking in the, they're not anti-vaxxers. Okay. They, they are more, more like, you know, what Isaac was saying earlier of there's, there's a time and a place for both. The value of one does not, you know, denigrate the value of the other and, and what it can offer. So they recognize that there is a time and a place to get a goddamn tetanus shot. Um, (laughs) But get the goddamn tetanus (laughs) shot. But, but at the same time, they also recognize that there has been a lot of loss and, and how do we bring back in this connection? And what if their biggest crusade, they do it some on the planets, they do a lot of the learning on the planets, a lot of what they do planet to planet is sharing, since we have um, segregated mm-hmm. the plants so much, sort of sharing the practices and learning. But what if where they really kind of go between planet uh stages of their education um, and their real calling as they see it is let's face it if we're talking galactic at the core of the universe you think of the the sci-fi cosmopolitan mega planets there's no nature left you look Mm -hmm. at space stations massive space stations fleets of ships people that have never lived off of a space station or a ship Mm -hmm. and what if the, the real heart of where they see their greatest need being is in bringing some of this connection back to those spaces. I like it. I like the idea that they're basically these like nature mindfulness gurus going around just being like, please just have a cup of tea. But they can also fix your cuts and help you sleep. They're literally Isaac in space. (laughs) Yes. Space. Yes. Irby space monk. (laughs) <laughs> Herby Herbal space. Herbal monks in space. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I think that's great. Did um, we did we did a thing? I think we did a thing. Oh, I like the thing we did. Yeah, monks in space. Oh, good. I was. I I did want to add one more thing, and that was maybe that maybe that people have some people have a. Uh, view of them that is like anti-vaxxers in space they think that's what they are they think they're this group that oh they don't take anything in that isn't uh that is synthetic and they they won't do um 
X, Y, and Z, and and you know they have a bleeding chest wound, and they'll be like, "Don't get near me with that synthetic glue," and it's, and really they're like, "No, no, give me the penicillin, please." Uh, the monk is like, "No, I I could really use some glue right now. Thanks. <laughs> yes, please, please glue me, glue me. Excuse me. <laughs> Just gonna let me bleed out over here. <laughs> uh-huh. We thought it was against your religion. Dying is against my religion. Dying against my religion." <laughs> I do not want to be martyr number eight. <laughs> there would be no martyrdom. There's no glory in dying to that. You haven't if I'm tried die, a plant. It be my death cap. You haven't <laughs> tested a foreign herb on a planet no one's heard of. No, there is no honor in this death. He goes over and just bites the nearest plant. There is no plant Valhalla for those who die to steward. Like that one moment in the Mandalorian where he's like, "We do not remove our helmets." That is the way. And the other Mandalorians are like, okay, you weird uh, fundamentalist. Uh, yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah, we do. You weird ass zealot. Like and and by the way, to our viewers, if that was a spoiler, <gasps> then it's been so long since that came out that it's your problem now. I'm, not I'm behind several episodes on the Mandalorian and still we knew this. We respected the code of silence for like the six months to a year required. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So Yes, it's you're- been a while. Not even really Snape a killed point. Dumbledore. <gasps> no, it was just yes. like a throwaway line. It wasn't even really a plot point, so you know. I know, right? No harm. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, but I like the idea that yeah, maybe there are some zealots who are like that, but most of the order is a lot more uh, reasonable, <laughs> and uh, but most people think of them as the zealots, <laughs> and uh, and they're like, no, please, please give me painkillers. <laughs> yes yes he's like it hurts it hurts make it stop i don't know how all i have is modern medicine well then share you asshole (laughs) isaac tell the good people where they can find you on the interwebs and all of the things which you produce some of which people can buy (laughs) yeah well you can find me uh my store is the store that uh, I, I co-own with my husband, Josh. We can be found at deepeartharts.com. And you can just contact me there. It's I'm easy to get a hold of. If you want some awesome tea. I'll hook you up. Mm-hmm. It will probably have lemon vomit. It will definitely have <laughs> lemon vomit. I don't think you've made me a single tea that did not have lemon balm in it. I'm just like putting lemon. Yeah, this needs lemon balm. This, it's such a good herb. It's such a good herb. You're just a lemon balm whore. Oh my gosh. Totally. It's such a wonderful, it's, it's wonderful. He's like, Thinkers Thinkers yes. got killed by frost. Yeah. But lemon balm. What, what it's, Sarah? Thinkers just got killed by frost, which is so sad. Oh. Oh, your lemon balm got killed by frost? I think so. It's a it perennial. It might have been lemon verbena. Well, not, not, not like Oh, the yeah, tree, then like the, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and if you're more of a social media person, Deep Earth Arts also has an Instagram and uh, Isaac takes some fun pictures. <laughs> during the holidays, you get to it gets a little festive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, during the holidays, it's taken over by Thistle the Elf. <laughs> <laughs> sure enough is <laughs> this the elf gets up to some hijinks it was great it was, oh. it was, a, it was a good run it, it, it was it was well awesome and uh you are also on a podcast right you're a co-host 
Yeah, yeah, we do have our own podcast called Three of Cups Story Hour, and it's all about divination and stories. It's kind of like Dear Abby, but with tarot cards. Yeah, great. (laughs) And it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun with it. Great. Well, we will definitely have links to all of that in the show notes, um, as well as the usual list of sources and extra resources and possibly a picture of Thistle the Elf. Um, (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. We might go crazy. (laughs) So, um, yeah. Uh, Go forth, friends, and create. And remember, if you write something in these worlds, let us know. We'd love to give you a virtual high five and a shout out. And try hard not to become a saint in a space or religion. Very much. Try not to be martyred by divergent angel or whatever it was. (laughs) (laughs) Delicious angel. Wait, no. Delicious angel. No, no, no. That language, bad. (laughs) <laughs> wrong D, wrong D. Wrong D. Wait. Wrong D. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's now like 11 p.m. I'm so funny. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> Welcome to Story Soil, Isaac. Oh my gosh, it was fun. <laughs>